0: Hey, Alan.
1: And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the Miniatures Gaming Podcast, episode 100.
0: Oh my God, it feels like feels like a new beginning. But I, I don't know though. I don't know about you. I woke up this morning like was really full. Like, what am I even uh-huh. gonna need to eat again? Because we went for all you can eat yesterday. And right, that was it was delicious. Still pretty stuffed. It was delicious. But usually like with buffets, when you think of all you can eat. You have like a ridiculous amount of food that you could choose from to eat. And you're like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if this is even really all worth it. Mm-hmm. But, but we didn't go for buffet. We went for hot pot. Which How
1: is that not all you can eat? It's totally all you can yeah, eat. It's, it's all, all you, you
0: can, can eat hot pot. Yeah, but hot pot is different than buffet, right? Because buffet, they just put okay. all the food in front of you. And like uh, okay. you have no hope of eating at all, but with hot pot, you're kind of deciding how like you have unlimited food to eat, but you kind of decide how it tastes yourself.
1: No, I think it's like similar, is it not? It's similar. In that you can stuff yourself into into the fact yeah, that you and don't you can order way, way more than you should. You can mm-hmm. also order way more than more than you should, and it would just be like terrible as well. But with the buffet, what they put in front of you is just how it's going to taste. With hot pot, you have like
0: you have way more control over what you're about to eat in massive quantities is going to taste.
1: And how good it tastes, actually. Be- I guess because you, you, you mix it up. Okay, I actually enjoy hot pot a lot more. I totally agree with you. I think it's mostly just I'm a better cook than uh, a cook who cooked five hours ago and just left it in a hot plate. That's basically what it comes down in a, to. In a giant fat. <laughs> yes, exactly. Who cooked a massive amount of food five hours ago. I'm better cooked than that, at, at the very least. And I think that's what makes it actually better than buffet. The actual, like, stuffing yourself and ordering way too much, which we did yesterday, mm, uh, so is the same as buffet. So so to me, like, Hot pot is just, like, the best buffet that you could actually get because it's, like, fresh buffet. That could be part of it. Yeah. Like
0: I haven't gone for buffet buffet in ages and ages, but hot pots mm-hmm. hot pots still like a semi-regular thing. But yeah. that sort of brings us to like having a giant amount of quantity of
1: we, certain we things. We literally just renamed hot pot like buffet hot pot. Like it's it's oh. it's a it's a type of buffet. It's a type it's of all like, you can eat. I, guess I think it's, it falls in right, the Venn you're right. diagram of the all you can eat sphere. Oh. It's one of the good ones though. Yeah. That's fair. Actually, there's the other good one. That's the the Brazilian barbecue. <laughs> it's pretty good. Oh my
0: good. god! Oh, I We've got to make we more room. go there. Too. I'm gonna
1: have to make more room now. Anyhow, so wait, are we a food podcast now or?
0: <laughs> hmm, could be could be a bright future in that, but I don't know. We're not. Yeah. We said we're good cooks, but not that good. But anyhow, thinking of like picking things out of like a ridiculous amount of selection. We, as we just said, mm-hmm. passed the. Hit the 100 episode mark. So there's a lot of episodes out there for people to choose from at this yeah, point.
1: Yeah, go, go watch. And if, if you don't have a lot of content because you ran out of all the YouTube constant constant videos on YouTube and podcasts and stuff, you can look at our back catalog. There's a lot. Yeah, we did. Unless you've been there from the beginning mm-hmm. like us. Yes,
0: unless you are there since the beginning. <sighs> Not that we would forget our episodes and we should go back to listen to them. We'll see. We'll see if we should go back be, – be going back – but let's, let's just say if people are going to that buffet, maybe they don't have, like, enough room to stuff every all hundred dishes in their face. I think we could probably cut it down to, like, the best dishes available in our buffet for the listeners if they haven't, like, already been, been around eating at our all-you-can-eat for the last few years. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, all you can eat, like, like the buffet, there's like two things, right? There's like all you can eat because uh, it's delicious. And then there's like all you can eat because, you know, after a while you're like, oh, I don't want any anymore. Right. Like, mm-hmm. because you can't fit anymore or like you just don't want anymore. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's two levels. So I think at least one of those our podcasts actually fall into.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to think about this. the answer to that question. But I can think about like <laughs> what I would suggest are our our best served ones. Well maybe not best served, but most notable, like what were what were some mm-hmm. signature dishes at our our veritable buffet of, of a past, podcast.
1: Of our past episodes, yeah. So let's go through, so I went through basically all of our things and I don't actually want to talk about our best five podcasts or best whatever podcasts. I just want to talk about a certain number of them because they stuck in my head, and there's something I had wanted to have to say.
0: Yeah, no, I think I came up with a list of five as well that I think are like notable because so many people do like my impressions on this game or my impressions on that game, but mm-hmm. these are just sort of ones that stand out that I'm not like, oh yeah, been there, done that. Yeah. kind of kind of unique, let's say. Uh,
1: for us, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So for this uh 100th episode. We're going to do a navel-gazing naval kind of, uh, I guess, 100 episodes in review. What were the – I guess we chose both five episodes that we would like to uh, raise again. And maybe, uh, if you're interested, uh, go back and listen to them if they pique your interest.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll scroll through and tell everyone all 100 of their names. but
1: Yeah, actually, they're all good. So mm-hmm. you should go re- watch them all. I have exactly. almost all of them.
0: Exactly. All right. Do you want to get going on this? Should I get going on it? Do we want to start from like latest to oldest? Which direction are we going to go?
1: Uh, sure. Let's do latest to oldest because that's literally the order I put my list in. <laughs> so it's Ooh. the easiest for me. Okay.
0: So I, I kind of went at it in chunks of like 20 to get five notable ones because I didn't want to uh-huh. like focus on any particular era or just lump in five right mm-hmm. away and be like, oh, now I'm done. Mm-hmm. Want to, like, span it out so people can see the whole history of this thing.
1: But mm-hmm. I think where I want to yeah, start... Yeah, actually, mm-hmm. I noticed that some of the ones that were stuck in my head that were interesting were not actually, like, Dice Over Everything. So they were D6 Minutes. I feel like we had some topics in D6 Minutes where we could blow that out into a full podcast. Uh, and I think we will in the future now that we're back. Now that we're caught up 99 or, I guess, at this point, it'll be... 99 D6 minutes, 100 episodes, and then you know next week there will be a 100 D6 minutes. So lots of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think three and a half minutes really goes into the depth of some of the topics. Three and yeah. a half average minutes covers some of the things we brought up. But all right, going from the top brings me to episode 88. Not that the last 12 episodes before okay. that weren't good, but episode 88, we talked about – tolkien's like version
1: of elves yes or what I the episode was elves. called tolkien versus elves Mm-hmm. and the premise was tolkien ruined elves <laughs> yeah we didn't name it but, that though because that's just <laughs> did we did we not well, we might... in my notes in my notes oh maybe we didn't actually end up naming it that but that was in our that was our premise for the episode was how tolkien ruined elves yeah like we went
0: way back it's like the mytholo- mm-hmm. mythological origins, origins of elves, and like yeah. just where they were in Norse myth. Oh, I can't talk today. Norse mythology and all that. And then yeah. then the commercial influences, and then how Tolkien went with some of those. Kind of tried to bring it back,
1: but yeah, anyway. I think that was one of the things that I really liked about this was that um, we did a lot of. Research on elves, mostly you did a lot of research. So to me, I found it <laughs> quite interesting to mm-hmm. hear about, you know, and learn about those kind of the kind of things. And you know, my premise coming into it, it was like, how come Tolkien made like he crushed the Keebler elves in our like popular idea of of elves? I guess the Keebler elves are actually after Tolkien, so maybe he didn't crush them totally. But to me, he changed elves back, changed elves elves. But I didn't realize he was kind of changing elves back, right? And so Mm -hmm. even going in, despite my biases, you know, it was one of those like the more you know kind of thing where through this podcast, I think I learned a lot. And I kind of came to respect Tolkien's view of elves uh, more than I had going into the podcast. Yeah, it's kind of interesting
0: just knowing where some of the origins of all these like tropes in like fantasy and any other games come from. Just to be like, oh, what, yep. what takes are out there on them? So, I don't know. I just,
1: I like going back looking at all that origin history. Yeah. I, yeah. I really, I, I actually, it was interesting enough that I thought, oh, man, maybe, maybe we should change our podcast just to be about like deep dives of historical, not not super deep, obviously, Wikipedia deep dives of uh, different tropes in miniature gaming and then diving in and seeing the historical contexts. Uh, but just like food, you know that that was fleeting, because it was yeah, too much work.
0: Yeah, we're not historians. I I more consider ourselves to be like philosophers of gaming. That's
1: ah yes, mm-hmm. of course. So we can do the philosophical philosophical underpinnings of Tolkien, uh, Tolkien's elves. That I guess we already did that. So
0: yeah, we can do more armchair <laughs> philosophy later. Anyhow, do you wanna yeah. do you wanna go for your top of one from near the top of your list?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh for me, I actually wanted to talk about our last episode, which was episode 99, uh Necromunda Community Edition versus 2017. I think it was a, unlike you.
0: Yeah, I think, a notable, I think it was a notable think it was a episode because we kept saying we'd talk about it and then we finally did.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And I feel like having listened back to it, uh it was way too long and I just realized like we had we hadn't done a full a, like a long episode format for a long period of time and it kind of showed. We just kept on talking about like every single thing we wanted to talk about Necromunda. We didn't focus it at all, and I felt like I I felt like maybe it, it made it a little bit uh, long to get through. So I would like to go back and just give you the Cole's notes. By the way, Cole's notes is like a i don't know that's an old reference for old people in canada but like the the condensed version of that episode uh which was which one did you want to which one should you play community edition or 2017 the I short we, answer is go back community and the edition oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. if you want a real community edition game. yeah play the community edition it's faster uh more fun to build up your characters uh the capture mechanics are better and uh it's been balanced over years and 2017 uh the good things are uh if you want to play one-off games so if you want to play a skirmish game but if you want to play campaign it sucks it's bad at balancing the rules are bloated and has win more mechanics it's terrible don't play it just use the models play the old one and that was literally what we got to down to like that's the essence of the episode, what it should have been. Yeah, but I guess it want... was the essence, but like not drawn out for two and a half hours. Well, now we can
0: claim to have written an academic paper basically <laughs> on why one is preferable to the other in different circumstances. We have all the backup yes. evidence. We have exactly. We have the references.
1: So. But I did enjoy going through just the history of Necromunda mm-hmm. for me and just listening to, listen to that, although I obviously know it because I'm the one that said it. But uh, if you want to hear like the history of how it built up, that was the initial part. I thought that was a little bit more interesting. Uh, I think in the future, maybe we don't have to go so heavy into the mechanics and stuff like that. But it's just notable because um, uh, I I was a little bit disappointed because we had, we talked about it so much about our pulling off of the episode.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it could have been done in a shorter and less factual method. But, I mean, people can't disagree with our
1: conclusions.
0: Unless they can yeah, do a forum. The one I just
1: gave right now, that was all factual. You don't need the backup and the reasoning. <laughs> no. Just, just, just accept that we. Anyways, so we know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know how we know, go, go listen to episode ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. We don't, we don't have to argue with with people anymore. It's all there. All right. So, what are we getting into? Number mm-hmm. two, the second, the second epi- Yeah, second one you want to talk about.
0: All right, so scrolling further down into our older list of episodes, I mm-hmm. got to one of I thought was kind of notable was other art influencing miniature painting. Other art Influencing. Which one? Which episode was that? That was episode sixty one. So not okay. Well, I think it was a while ago because we've been doing some D six okay. minutes lately, but mm-hmm. I thought that was just quite interesting because both of us. I don't know, maybe not both of us, but I think just in the wider miniature world, people have been thinking about other ways of painting things other than like your standard EV metal style, where you kind of just do like shading for volume, shape. You just do volume shading, you do black line, you do edge highlighting. Just you thinking, okay, Pokemon there's... style. Yeah, you can paint things Pokemon style. You keep on saying EV,
1: EV metal.
0: Hmm. Yes, <laughs> I didn't come up with it. It could be replaced. It's called EV
1: metal. It's heavy, but without the H. EV no. metal is, I guess, technically, if you remove the H, it does say EV. But like, mm-hmm. EV metal is definitely the Pokemon style, which I guess kind of works because they do kind of look like Pokemon, the Pokemon uh, art style. I'm pronouncing the letters as they are. <laughs> All right. This is real, yeah, real English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This yeah, is a whatever. philosophical way to pronounce EV metal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, whatever their technique of painting might be wrong, so
0: I'm just going to pronounce it wrong. It's all fine. Okay, fair enough.
1: Oh but, wow, shots fired. Mm-hmm. Their technique is actually wrong. Okay, go on.
0: Ah, it's just just going back through like looking at other historical uh-huh. art things and seeing like seeing how painting actually looks cool on 2d canvas or just looking at we think we were looking a lot at like graphical art like computer graphics arts for how that sort of influenced current painting styles and all that that it's just kind of interesting like considering what's currently influencing the look of miniature painting so
1: yeah and and kind of the influence of like I don't know, they professional artists coming in to the mm-hmm. space with the, yeah, it, yeah, it right. was, and the ability to make money off of it, like make a living off of uh, miniature painting, which I don't think, you know, existed before. And we went through a, a bunch of different things. Did we mention Carvaggio? I think I did, because at that time I was painting the
0: corpse grinders for Necromunda. And yeah, uh-huh. I was going back and looking at like Caravaggio's painting style. Oh, no,
1: Caravaggio! Like, just like Evie. I'll, I'll pronounce <laughs> yeah. that one
0: properly. <laughs> forget, <laughs> forget pronouncing anything new properly.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. No, I, 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 I pronounce it, it in American. Caravaggio.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm,
1: Caravaggio. I'm just gonna
0: say all my pronunciations are Canadian, as opposed to American <laughs> or British, <laughs> <laughs> or they're just mine. All right. So that, that one I thought was sort of just up with the times of people thinking about different ways of painting with all, yeah. of, like, the miniature videos of people painting stuff out there from actual, like, fine arts people.
1: Yeah, it's a good – it's also a good one to, like – think like, we did – we have talked a lot about, you know, painting and stuff like that because this is a, a comprehensive hobby. So it's a good one to, like, I guess – yeah, just think about the art – and the painting styles that you have, as opposed to, I feel like a lot of people do, you know, just recipes. Think about it as recipes, whereas thinking about it as art is another way to think about it that might help you enjoy it even more. Yeah, it's just like, or may, might make you like uh, overwhelmed and then hate it more. But, you know, you can always throw throw <laughs> throw that out it's, if it if it makes you uncomfortable.
0: It's a pretty deep rabbit hole to go down, but
1: it's, For it's sure. worth it. All right. You got you got a second notable one on your list? Yes, I do. Uh mine second one that I listed was episode eighty-eight, Tolkien versus Els, which is the same thing that we talked about. Um and I don't know, that was actually one of my favorite episodes that we ever did. Again, like I said, from just just five or ten minutes ago for all mm-hmm. those different reasons of, of learning. Um and and so yeah, I thought it was a notable one. If, uh, yeah, I I enjoy listening to it again just because of a different kind of aspect of of thinking about different portions of our hobby that most people don't even really look at uh in depth. So I thought that was that was fun. Um, but since we talked about it, I will go on to my next one, mm-hmm. which is episode seventy six, judging a rule book by its cover. That one was actually pretty uh, fun, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, ha- was, you have most of the rule fun. books, so. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's one of those things, like, uh, I don't know if this is necessarily as fun to listen to, because I'm pretty sure this was a podcast and we didn't put it up on, uh, we didn't put the actual video up onto um, uh, YouTube, which I guess we should have. Yeah, we did a lot of describing of what, like, the styles uh, were of all these rule books,
0: so it's mm. it's listenable. And if people want to yeah. go look up all these books online themselves, they can go. They can follow along. But.
1: Yeah. Um, but for me, I found it was fun because I think during the episode, uh, we talked about it, you know. Uh, I kind of collect rule books. Uh, and so just kind of nerding out and talking about the different rule books. Again, this is one of those things that I don't think most people really would uh, think about. Uh, but the other thing is that rule book covers, surprisingly – are very important. Right? Yep. Everyone's the reason why there's a saying, don't judge a, a book by its cover, is because everyone does. hmm So so for us to go through uh you know and acknowledge that and we talk about how that kind of affected the games, but also then also judging the rule books by their cover, uh, I thought that was um Another thing that uh, kind of highlights the kind of things that we do on the podcast, you know, a little bit more tongue in cheek, a little bit more, but also having some um, analysis in it was uh, made it made it, I think, an interesting uh, listen.
0: Yeah, because like the cover is basically a sales pitch to people who are just glancing Mm -hmm. at the game. So we went through how like a whole bunch of ones made good pitches and which ones kind of missed the mark.
1: So, yeah. And I. I think at that time, we we're also starting to uh, work on, you know, we, we have our game that we're working on and we're trying to make a rule book and we want to push it out. Uh, so we did great. You know, we're working on the cover and we were thinking about these kind of things. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So I thought that all of that combined make, made it kind of an interesting uh, listen. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, super shallow and fun.
0: Yeah, it's in, this was not a deep dive. There was there wasn't really. There was some <laughs> no, philosophy. I think it
1: was a deep dive. That's the point. It was a both deep, a deep dive and ridiculous. A deep dive into ridiculousness, mm-hmm. but also uh, impactful at the same time. Which which you know that to me is something that you know uh, is different and uh, a good hit, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I definitely remember covers of books. Like, they're, if you start playing the game a lot, it starts to it starts to leave an impression on you about what the game is. Yeah, we should we should judge some new rule books. We should do that periodically, maybe to S D six minutes just as a follow-up. Mm-hmm. Just go through the game store shelf and just browse. <laughs> I mean you might buy, but I'll try to, you know, just take some pictures. Yeah. yeah, I got some new rule books, so we can go take a look at new stuff. Mm-hmm. Alright,
0: so I'll go I guess now that you've taken the first crack of these, I'll get on to my third. Sure. Alright, so my third one, sort of midway down the list of the past 100, mm-hmm. got me to wargaming turnoffs. Wargaming turnoffs.
1: Okay. Yeah. And I think yeah. just mm-hmm. During this era, we were doing a lot of, again, you know, because we we're thinking about our, 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 a ga- our game and, like, analyzing, like you said, the ph- philosophy of wargaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had a lot of like analysis of, of general topics like this about wargaming in general and things that you know interest you and things that don't. So yeah, what, what about this specific one uh, kind of hooked you? Well, I think it just ties into sort of like how we look at,
0: because as I said at the beginning, there's a lot of episodes about like our first impressions on this game or like our impressions mm-hmm. on the new edition of this. The wargaming turnoffs, I think it's just kind of like a summary of a whole bunch of other episodes and the perspective we take on like, whether we like games or not. So Mm -hmm. rather than having to like go through every episode and piece out like what we, what seems to matter to make a war game decent and what can break. Yeah.
1: For, for us, like certain aspects. Did we talk about, did we talk about what other people who are not us, what, what turnovers they are for them? Or did we focus more on like our view?
0: Well, so we went back and read through our whole list of the last hundred podcasts and looked at the view
1: counts. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that had absolutely no influence on which <laughs> ones we've declared notable. So uh-huh.
1: do you want to take anything? No from no, that? no no no. What, what I mean is like did we talk about our turnoffs for uh like specifically on, on us? Like what were turnoffs for us, or did we take the like you said, the philosophical view of what is a wargaming gaming turnoff? I think we went down to like
0: what just caught. Co- we went to our our preferences plus just what makes games sort of unplayable or just unmanageable to the point okay, where so we did
1: the do the philosophy thing as the as the <laughs> war game philosophers.
0: Yeah, and just like examples of war games that just like kicked the bucket or they they just have like they lost their following and there clearly was like problems behind them and how they're just an illustration of those issues with a game. Mm-hmm. that stopped them from, like, becoming popular or remaining popular. So I think it was sort of a condensation like of a War whole bunch War Machine? Of, yeah, basically. They're a good example of lots of things, yeah. which will get me... It'll get. Well, War Machine will come back up in my last one, but you want to go for sure. your fourth, then? This is the third one, isn't it? Yeah, that was my third, and you did your third first.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess.
0: Uh, yeah, because we doubled up on but, 88.
1: But I didn't get to talk about my second. My my second one, I talked about it during your second one. Don't I get an extra one?
0: Okay, maybe you can do an honorable mention at the end then, sure.
1: (laughs) Fine, okay. Uh, Yeah, so my fourth one uh, is uh, Frostgrave 2nd Edition, episode 44, where we talked about Frostgrave 2nd Edition. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the reason why this is notable is because Frostgrave is my favorite game. And I want people to go there and, you know, we basically gush about Frostgrave. And we've gushed all the way through since that episode. Uh, But if you are wondering why Frostgrave is, like, my favorite game, uh, we talk a lot about it in episode 44. And we even talk about some things that, you know, we didn't like. Um, And I think basically, even though, you know, we've played a lot of games since then and and there's some slight changes in in our thoughts, uh, or at least in my thoughts, I didn't ask you uh, yet, uh, but <laughs> I think overall, uh, it it still set like our our I my thoughts are still the same, uh, which is Frostgrave Second Edition is amazing, it's the best game out there right now. How about you? What do you think?
0: Yeah, you no, know, it took so many things in the right direction that we had even done as like house rules because they're sort of the obvious things that needed tweaking or just like you needed like a friendly agreement not to do certain things. That it codified mm-hmm. a whole bunch of those, just like not taking too many guys who shoot, that we kind of made an agreement, don't just make an army out of guys with bows, just in case we put like light mm-hmm. terrain down, and whoever has all the bows just wins.
1: And unless you have fog, in which case they just lose. So it's just like a binary thing, where you're like, okay, I fogged mm-hmm. up, your entire army sucks. <laughs> yep. Or, I didn't fog up, and your entire army is broken. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so yeah uh yeah it is yeah so um yeah so there's like so many changes it's a great game uh and and again i guess generally in the philosophical sense uh during that time i guess we started doing a lot i guess we were doing a lot of different reviews of the different games that we've played and i think the Frostgrave one maybe it's because we liked it so much we played so many games in the first edition i think we had a lot to say and it was just a good overall review, and it was a game that's great, so it's one of those things you can go back I think is worth worth a listen yeah no it does lots
0: of it does lots of
1: things right yeah i guess I guess the one thing is that uh at the time so they had redone all the spell lists, and at the time we hadn't really seen uh uh any real issues with the new spells, having played for i guess this was like. Now, two years ago, having played for two years, I do have a list of 10 spells that I think probably should should be changed and updated. But they're not nearly as the the issues with them are not nearly as big as they were in uh, first edition and they don't break the game. So,
0: no, it's just sort of making things more playable and making a few obvious things less less required could happen in a third edition. But it's not a game that is demanding a new edition by any means.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Almost just like ten, 10 spell house rules is probably good, which is, you know, when we go into our next campaign, we're probably going to probably gonna raise them up and see see how many of them you guys shoot down. So, but yeah, basically this was just an excuse for me to gush about Frostgrave. That was mm-hmm. my number four.
0: Yep. All right, so my number four continues the trend of just, like, thinking of how we analyze war games, and mm-hmm. that gets to episode 35, of positioning versus abilities in war games hmm. okay so i think at that point we were thinking a lot about why war machine kicked the bucket
1: <laughs> yes
0: because <laughs> i was starting to cut apart war machine guys to make them into guys for Frostgrave. like this is the, yeah you know how over this is i'm just going to start cutting <laughs> cutting these people up and making them into yeah. new new stuff i think
1: I think I'd sold at that point most of my armies except for my main ones. Mm-hmm. I still had, a, excuse me, a little bit of a hope for it coming back, but uh, yeah, um, got it rid was, of. I had a lot of war machine armies, so yeah, had a lot so to sell.
0: So I'm not sure we really went into this, but Frostgrave is demanding on the players from like the positioning aspect and from knowing the abilities of everything's aspect. Like there's there's certain games where we have all like these combo things going on and all that. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to necessarily worry quite about quite as much about the positioning. Like, it's not about, like, how in rank and flank games, everything's about positioning. It's about the angles you attack from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, the distance you are from your opponents and how many charges they can get off. In War Machine, it's like an I-go-you game. So your position relative to your opponent matters an enormous amount. So you A can't lot. alpha strike yeah. them. And just knowing the abilities of everything on the cards. Like, huge as well. Otherwise, so many so,
1: games, yeah, would just kill you. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, sorry. What was the topic again? It was
0: positioning versus ability in war games. Because like,
1: oh okay, yeah.
0: Games can like have interesting depth in both realms. Because we think about Infinity. Infinity is all about where you have your guys, like in position to make attacks, to defend your flanks, and all that. So it's got lots of positioning, but it might be a little lighter on like comboing. There's combos, but it's a little lighter. And those games like Malifo they're more like War Machine, where you've got to know your cards, you've got to know what abilities sync with each other, and then go off. But it's not try like as rank combos. Yeah, but it's not yeah. as ranky flanky because you've only got like around a dozen guys on the board.
1: And so. you also, your opponent can also interrupt uh, your your actions because it's mm. uh, alternating activation in Malifaux. So yep. you can make a couple moves, and then they see your uh, combo coming up, and they try to mitigate it as much as possible. Whereas you know. In War Machine, if you didn't see it, you, you dead, bro.
0: Yeah, if your position's not perfect in mouthful you can start moving stuff around to kind of fix the problem.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I can yeah. see
0: that one, but it's just sort of an approach for viewing like how war games actually play, like what the underlying mechanics make the game play like. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going through. Do you that feel course. like
1: this is this is uh, helps solidify us as uh, war game philosophers when we started going into these kind of things?
0: Yeah, exactly. This is, this is like our
1: this is our, <laughs> our turn list. to be war game philosophers. This
0: is our list of like references of why we're war game philosophers. Yeah,
1: yeah I had I had one in. This is not this is not an honorable mention, but I I did have one that I want to talk about uh, verticality in war gaming, which I, it was a little bit later, but uh, the same kind of things we talked about. You know, these kind of aspects in the game and how they affect you know our views. Mhm. So I'm not. I'm not sure there's much else to
0: mention on it, but I think it's yeah. just good for people to think about that like going into what type of game they want, they're like, oh, this game looks cool on the face. Yeah. But then just going below the surface, seeing what the mechanics are and seeing whether those mechanics like fulfill what you want from your war game. Like if you if you mm. want like all that deep esoteric knowledge. Do they make you happy? Yeah, do they make you happy philosophically? Yeah. But what,
1: philosophically, are yeah.
0: what are you looking for to make you happy? Do you want like this massive tome of knowledge and you're like, I'm I'm like so learned at this game. You just, mm-hmm. you feel very accomplished, like pulling off all your knowledge, or do you just want to go into it and like strategize against like your opponent by reading the board state and you want something that's more of a positioning. Like it's it comes down to what you, you want. You want
1: those adventure kind of things, which I, I think we, the, the excitement kind of things. And we've, we probably talked about that as well, but uh, I don't know which episode that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of episodes, I guess, and this is a good example of one where, you know, like you said, like we we take the take the view, and you could dive in philosophically and see and and analyze different aspects and why you like the game and, and or or do not. Yeah, yeah, these are sort of the episode. I I like picking out these
0: episodes because they sort of they're a through thread in lots of other episodes. All right, so those were our episode fours, our fourth like double yeah. picks. On to your five
1: uh yeah so my fifth uh is episode that I want to talk about is episode twenty eight mm-hmm. uh, how simple can a war game go and uh I, again like this is again a philosophical kind of thing that we talked about right and i think I think we've had that consistently throughout our things and these are one of the most interesting things at least for me when i especially when I listen back right mm-hmm. uh just to hear um. Different kind of aspects in the war game and the potential of war games and the potential changes of war games. Uh, This one is specifically notable uh, because because of this, or or around this time, uh, I think it was Warcry that kind of sparked this idea. But this idea of how simple can a war game go also was the genesis of the game that we're working on right now, Blood of Stars, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And at that time, the game that we were working on, well, I guess uh was just how much can you boil down a war game and we tried a bunch of things out so we even did some playtesting which you know uh makes us uh you know in some ways uh better than case workshop <laughs> yeah i know crazy you could do that but it's just we have- <laughs> i'm just joking obviously they playtest at least as much as as you know we did that day mm-hmm yeah, because we have
0: of mechanics. Yeah, because we have deep games we're willing to play, like Infinity. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we were still playing War Machine at that point. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No, but we're willing to play deep games. And the thing is, I'm not willing to have multiple deep games. That's just too much of a commitment, for yeah. like you know having to work and stuff like that and sleep. So just like the second game, you want to just be able to jump into it, play it, but not feel like you're missing out because you don't know all the rules. But you mm-hmm. still want like the fun experience that you get from most war games, just without yeah. all the studying. And the question is, how can you get that? And what could be like what makes good second games? And what can they do to yeah. be a good good like fun once in a while game?
1: Yeah. Like what? Like I, I guess it's the kind of thing, and it's not. I think we 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 actually talked about it. If you want to hear our full thoughts about it, mm-hmm. go check the episode out. Uh, but we did talk about the uh, simplicity that is not just in wargaming, right? It's like across the board. The, this this simplicity movement at that time, which is around 2019, wasn't there the Mary Kondo thing? Oh, yeah. life. Might, that might have been the introductions to
0: one of those episodes around that era. Yes. <laughs> only keep things that bring you joy. Yeah. So only.
1: Yeah. One. Exactly. So uh, to to me, like you know, taking it into war games where you know there's an idea of streamlining that has become very very popular, and the idea of streamlining it to its minimalist uh, uh, pieces uh, was an interesting kind of experience. And then for us, like our current game that we're working mm-hmm. on, Blood of, Blood of Stars, uh, we kind of built it back up, but from the simplest pieces, right? And the idea of leaving that, you know, you know, I guess some people talk about you know killing your babies. Not literally, like <laughs> killing the things that you're just really into uh, but that are often overly complicated and, and scratch an itch because you know the system or whatever inside out, but it's not necessarily the best thing, you know, for the game or something more streamlined could work just as well or even better. Uh, I I just thought like understanding that can often help uh, make you realize, uh, you know, uh maybe you could play simpler games, right? Because I think a lot of the times there's a, there's a disconnect between, uh, people who, when you read a rule book and what you think you want to play and what you actually want to play. And so that entire day of simplifying the game is, uh, often can really help, especially like people who are just getting into the war game hobby. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, simpler is yeah, it's, almost so- always better.
0: Yeah, it's not just for us finding second games. It's just about people finding like an accessible entry point for yeah. these games, which Warcry kind of offered to people. Like, yeah, things are on cards. Things don't. The game doesn't go on for super long. But when, but when we both looked into it, we're like, something's wrong with this game. Something's missing from this. And mm-hmm. I think in that episode, we probably looked at like what yeah. they cut out that you actually need in there to get like a really satisfying wargaming experience experience.
1: Yeah. Although war cry has been doing pretty good. So for a lot of Mm -hmm. people, it's hit, uh, just, uh, for us. And I feel like for a lot of people, there's some things that are missing that you could put in to make Mm -hmm. it exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was my uh, last one. Uh, Well, that brings me
0: to a similar, but different topic of mm -hmm. episode nine way, way back because, you know, all the best topics were just out there for the picking at the very beginning. (laughs) Cutting in games. So as opposed to just, like, rule cutting, I think cutting in games is more just about, like, skew bloat is the more... the direction we were taking, or, like, faction bloat and all that, Mm -hmm. where companies just, in order to keep generating revenue, they keep generating stuff for people to buy, and Mm -hmm. they're reluctant to cut it back, and... I think this was where War Machine came up too with what made it have to get a new edition or, yeah, basically, they couldn't do it. They basically
1: bungled the cutting. Yeah. And And that really hurt them, yeah.
0: I think it's actually a frequent issue. It's like a big thing behind loads of, like, the big lifestyle games where they're not willing to offend anyone by just cutting things. But we went through sort of when things are worth cutting, how they can do it, who's done a good job of it, and then just how you should be all right with it, just because if if you don't realize that the long-term gain is going to take you just having to stop using some of your, like, miniatures or even armies, like, it's mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, but, like, it's for the best, so.
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, I, thought, I, I really, I, I like that kind of deep dive into that kind of idea, and I think mm-hmm. it kind of shows, actually, from basically the very beginning, we are doing, like, philosophical deep dives I guess even before we started this podcast we've always had a philosophical philosophical view of wargaming I guess it's basically just from the fact that we've playing been playing it for so long and we've you know we're not mon- mono wargamers right we've mm-hmm. kind of moved on and jumped different things and that kind of makes you reflect on you know why you jumped what what those kind of things uh, are and uh I hope you know if you uh, listen to those podcasts. It kind of helps you reflect on your enjoyment of wargaming and and war games in general. And and ideally, uh, open yourself up to you know the wider realm of uh, wargaming. Uh, and you know find those things that you enjoy. Yeah, I think lots of people just have like gut reactions to these things in games, but they mm-hmm. can't be like, oh
0: well, it's, it falls into this sphere of just, mm-hmm. like, complexity or, like, number of roles it takes to reach outcomes yeah. and things like that. It's just, like, uh, yeah. I just feel like it's taking too long. It's, like, well, what's making it mm-hmm. take too long? There's all sorts of aspects yeah. that go into a game that could make things take too long. And-
1: yeah, and there's things that you could do. I think one of the biggest things, I, I don't think we've talked about this that much, at least, uh, is if you know there are certain things that are really bugging you, mm-hmm. Um About certain games it can help you uh find games that actually resolve those issues or just putting in house rules right sometimes there's a game that works on all these pieces but there's something that's really really annoying and bad the great thing about war games you can just house rule it if you're with your buddies
0: yeah
1: like you could just say i don't
0: you could just say i don't like it but when you think about things from like the mechanical level, you're like well i don't like it because of this -hmm. And there's more justification for the changes rather than just like oh it's busted it's like well
1: yeah what's it doing and you can find a better change Uh, you can sell that change to everyone uh, uh, better Uh, Mm -hmm. so for these house rules um, you know and sometimes a game just takes one house rule and then the game really works right Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's there's one thing um, of a recent game that I just want to mention just in general uh, is BattleTech uh, Alpha Strike. Um, alpha strike is quite good you know it's a, a streamlined version of Battletech. tech um, but there's a couple of things that i don't necessarily like about it um, one thing is i'd rather play on spaces when i play battletech, tech um, because of the people i play it with right and they put that in the rules you know there's a there's a optional rule for you to use spaces right mm-hmm. and but you have to know that you wanna play with spaces for it to, to happen, right? Yeah. Um, and then, so spaces instead of like just measuring um, uh, freeform, right, with the measurement tape. And then the other thing is that there's optional rules for damage because the battle, uh, the, the alpha strike kind of rules uh, make it all or nothing. And so there's modifications on that damage rule and most people use one or two of them, mm-hmm. but you still then have to decide on which one you wanna use. And I feel like a lot of people uh, end up choosing them based on um, not necessarily thinking about, you know, which one ends up being more fun, uh, but just on preconceived notions on, you know, which one is better. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think when you dive deeply into these kind of things, think about, you know, what are you actually looking for underneath, like with all these kind of philosophy of war gaming kind of topics it uh, can kind of help you decide which version you want to play uh which which damage uh rule you want to use uh and uh yeah which i have not yet decided so mm-hmm. <laughs> ultimately that it comes down to I'm apparently just play testing it and see what you like uh, <laughs> just like philosophy uh yeah. you know you can philosophize all you want but it really comes down down to at the end of the day you know how you what you actually end up doing that matters
0: Yep, pretty much. Like,
1: I'm not gonna tell you what to like. Just like, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: oh no, I'll tell you what to like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you should feel free to disagree with me and do it. Do your go your own way.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think we can bring up our just like of heroic scale as a through line as well. <laughs> that, that's oh, been yes. there from that's been there from episode one. Just in case people no, that's, are
1: that's been, yeah
0: mm-hmm, wondering about other three. That's through been lines. a forever
1: thing. Yeah, ever since we realized that you could get miniatures that are not heroic scale. Uh that's being a through line in our lives. our North Star. Alright. So I think I was allowed to bring up one extra one, right? Yeah. Honorable I, hit, mention. I hit I hit Tolkien and his
0: elves first. Yeah. So
1: all right. So my honorable mention, and this is one I think uh, I found interesting and, and, and hopefully, you know, if you're listening to this, you might find it, uh, too, is uh, episode 63, which was Cyberpunk. Hmm. OK. And to me, this was actually uh, similar to Tolkien versus elves. I think uh, we did a lot of, again, Wicca research, as in reading Wikipedia as research. Uh And diving into, you know, cyberpunk and and, and how it's kind of affected things and what cyberpunk is, because of course, cyberpunk, just like Tolkien vs. Zell's, although it intersects with wargaming, a lot of the things we talked about was just the overall view of cyberpunk, what it is, the culture surrounding it, right? And before we brought it back into wargaming and how it affected the wargaming space. So to me, I found that again an interesting episode, especially if you like those kind of overall analysis, kind of uh, broader kind of topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it kind of made me think about it more because you know uh, Necromunda came back, and you know although Necromunda's not cyberpunk, it it definitely had some punk aesthetics. Yeah. Uh, so uh yeah so you not know, just maybe me, maybe me think about that again
0: yeah it's so just sort of like the design not the design choices but just like the the background on like where things come from like what, yeah. why we have our impressions of like what cyberpunk is right now and like whether what you could do to change it if there was like another reference point to go to
1: yeah so so yeah we did a quite a deep dive there and i think we went We talked about it again in a later episode. I think Cyberpunk versus Grimdark we did as well. Uh, But those ones were kind of, you know, breakdowns of more about the philosophy of of the setting and and the historical context, which, you know, um, I could probably listen to those again all the way through and uh, enjoy it. Because everybody likes talking about Man, we
0: make such good points. Well, oh, it's more just talking about like movie references and stuff like that, of where people are getting their impressions yeah. from, and just like things we thought were cool in movies, and probably everybody thought were cool, and that's why they're, yeah.
1: they're now finding their way in war games. And me pretending that uh, I know all of the up-to-date references to these things, even though I haven't really consumed uh, any, any kind of cyberpunk or general media uh, in the past, I don't know, five years besides miniature games.
0: Have you even watched Blade Runner 2049 yet? No, I have not. Are you, did I say you, that I did?
1: Maybe no, I you haven't.
0: It. You're waiting for you know. You're <laughs> waiting for it to be the year of Blade Runner 2049. Just like didn't we hit the original Blade Runner year too?
1: I think so. I, can't I think we hit it. That was
0: yeah. yeah. It wasn't that long ago though that we hit
1: yeah. the OG and Blade so, Runner
0: future. So you could wait around. You know, people have waited around for the first one.
1: So so I just can't do it anymore because uh. I can't sit down and watch those things because I feel like I have to concentrate because the movie's supposed to be good. I don't watch good. <laughs> I don't watch mm-hmm. good uh, 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 content that requires me to look at it because I feel mm-hmm. like I think I talked about this in actually uh, our podcast about optimizing your happiness. So if you do two things at the same time, so mm-hmm. you listen to something, do something else, even though both of those are not as as uh, fun as uh like the, maybe the eighty percent as, as fun or seventy percent even as fun as watching the movie. When you add them together it's 140%. So mm-hmm.
0: and you don't need a hundred percent you don't need that hundred percent movie. Like there's only so many hundred percent hit movies out there in TV sure. shows.
1: But if you just put two seventy percent things together, you're good to go. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And then the hundred percent thing is just like it also gives you a a feeling like There's so much potential in the future. It's like, oh, I could watch all these good movies. They're lined up, just ready for me to watch. So we're saying we don't need to hit 100% on these
0: podcasts. We just have to do 70% quality. (laughs) And as long as people are
1: painting at the same time, they're good to go. That's still a little bit uh, uh, aiming high, isn't it? 70%.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we're not aiming for 100, so. 70% of Cyberpunk
1: 2047 or whatever the number is uh maybe we're not there but you know what why don't you listen mm-hmm. to two podcasts at the same time and also to paint or painting then maybe we'll hit it
0: i'm not gonna say which one you put on mute but you know
1: <laughs> yes exactly. gotta choose one <clears throat> all right do you have any honorable mentions no i got my my five full five in oh there. really you were like on the ball you didn't have any fat or anything that you, you had to cut out eh no. There's a lot of other good episodes, by the way. Go listen to them. There, there are. <laughs> you just chose, yeah.
0: I wanted to name some of our first impressions episodes, uh-huh. but I don't know. I don't usually go to podcasts for first impressions. I normally just go look at really? pictures of miniatures on YouTube, <laughs> which tells me absolutely nothing about how the game plays.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I don't think those are actually is what any- we generally talked about. I don't yeah. think there's actually any good for figuring out the games. But that's so what, what you're I saying do. is what actually sells you on a game is the miniatures, not the actual game? Yeah, and that's why we have to... But look what out. about the games that don't have miniatures? Now look at their art.
0: I've judged them by the cover. We've, <laughs> <talked about this. laughs> We've already been through this in this episode.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, well, I... I personally have a bunch that I wanted to just quickly mention one sentence. I know you want to wrap this up. Let me give, let me have a couple of episodes where I had one sentence, things I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. All right. Episode 67 was about gambling and loot boxes. And from that episode, I basically learned that I actually love gambling and I'm glad I mm-hmm. don't do it with money. And in general, I just buy blind boxes and I still love that to this day. Uh, Another one is uh, episode 51, Build a Boat. Uh, I still haven't built a boat. I should so get on that.
0: You bought a bunch of boats after that. I believe yeah, why we in a talked Kickstarter. About it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about it. And uh, then they arrived. I was gonna build a boat in anticipation. and I, I know, it's crazy. Oh. It's been like years since that mm-hmm. thing. And I was like, well, I'll build a boat while I'm waiting. But instead, I bought a 3D printer and <laughs> did a whole how, bunch of other stuff.
0: How big does the boat have to be for it to count?
1: rowboats count no, I, that's true i did i did make five robots for yeah. flying boats for Frostgrave. there you go they don't count and you, and
0: you yeah they're too small <laughs> they
1: don't count exactly uh and then uh episode 17 contrast paints and painting fast this is in 2019. I
0: was very close to naming that one because I talked, I think I talked a lot about that, and I was doing a lot of experimenting around that time. But I think I didn't go back and name it because since then I'm just like, nah, I don't even
1: want to paint fast, <laughs> so it <laughs> fell off my list. I'm the opposite. Now mm-hmm. I'm like even faster, and I've got to say I, I, I've come around to it. I'm like contrast paints, great, and I'm wondering. So I, I I've been painting with my, my. uh nephew and uh i'm wondering if you know contrast paints will help him paint faster and, and be more happy with his paint. so i'm gonna yeah they've they won me over finally so i just want to say i disavow episode 17 contrast paints they're great use them when you need to use them as basically like heavy washes uh and then episode 8 new year new space game uh 2019 february Mm -hmm. we should play that space game star piercer it's pretty good
0: we should then take a look back about what we've learned about making games and whether it matters there i think i've already had some thoughts on it but
1: yeah was that the first game that we were we we collaborated on together i think so yeah so that that's just notable that's 2019 Mm -hmm. uh and then of course episode one which was X-Wing, number one, 2018, September 12th. Notable just because that was when we started this podcast. So we have been doing this for almost five years.
0: Well, no wonder it's so hard to remember some of those episodes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you remember some of those early ones, good job. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Yes, so... That's basically all of my quick things I wanted to note. Yeah, and no, I think Anything? that gives,
0: yeah, that gives people who are just like tuning in lately an idea of like what to look for if they're going back further about what might yep. be like, because most of our podcasts aren't like spur of the moment, like what's in the current release schedule things. Our six minutes we get into mm-hmm. that a lot, but like, oh, what came out this week? What looks cool to us? Yeah, but those what we other. But those podcast topics, you can sort of go back and listen to them later. Unless we get a Frostgrave 3rd yeah. edition, in which case the Frostgrave 2nd edition <laughs> won't be relevant anymore. Unless uh-huh. unless that edition ruins it and there's a community
1: edition that goes back to 2nd. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should talk about community editions. That's a good topic. We should rush these in. I'm actually quite happy now. Yeah, so uh, with that episode's in review, it also gives a view of, you know, having looked back at it um and getting back into longer form episodes uh what we're going to do in the future
0: mhm yeah i think we yeah, said we want d- to i think we knew what sort of episodes we enjoyed and we mm-hmm. we did take a bit look at what people like watching so i mm-hmm. think we said we'd cover like frostgrave <clears throat> a bit more cuz i don't know we really enjoy playing it it fit. Yeah, like we don't have because I name. just
1: want to push Frostgrave. I'm like, no, more people should play more Frostgrave. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. more episodes about Frostgrave.
0: Well, I bought yeah. another Frostgrave Warband when we were hanging out at a game store yesterday. And like, you're like, what am I? Right. You doing? I'm like, ignore me. <laughs> I'm just scrolling through the pictures <laughs> on this website to find all the products that they have out of these the selection. I bought a yeah, band. it was
1: crazy because like literally what, two weeks ago you were just talking about how oh I just bought this new, <laughs> <laughs> bought another new war mini- band for, for warband, and then you're just picking out a, yeah. a, a warband after that. That was the notable 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 thing.
0: Well, the guy at the game store counter was like, "Whoa, we got lots of new miniatures to paint." I'm just like, "Yeah, that's just like one box worth of like GW, like a it small box, not even a big box." He's like, "Yeah, okay." Oh, I yeah. probably will. I probably will speed paint these though. That's that's my far That's my frostgrave oh, philosophy of painting.
1: Yeah, it, it's just fun, you know, to have different things and, and different bands, and it kind of makes me surprised at how many people are get into buying a giant army and then never painting them. It's so because, much cooler and more fun to paint ten guys and make them look great and finish them, mm-hmm. and they look way better on your shelf than just like a giant shelf of gray. You get the whole
0: joy of thinking about the aesthetic, you want to go with them doing like a test paint, mm-hmm. and then you weren't stuck for the next like half a year using that scheme.
1: Yeah.
0: And if it's yeah, not good, you're like, yeah, oh well, the scheme wasn't
1: that good. It was only uh, like yeah, 15 guys. You should talk, about, we should talk yep. about the reasons for painting smaller warbands and the way, mm-hmm. ways to make them happy and make, ways to make them look good on yourself as 10 guys. Hmm. interesting topic oh man there's so much stuff that's, yeah that's the kind of thing going looking through these past 100 episodes has made me kind of raring to go to get more into these deep dives talk about the philosophy of wargaming as opposed to the d6 minutes where just kind of like more just different kind of questions randomly shouted sh- sh- out there but like getting back into philosophical reasons why we like a wargames or choose different things or mm-hmm. like certain styles of painting Ah uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to um the next couple of episodes. Yeah, like
0: I think that can fit into Frostgrave just cuz the warbands are so small, you can just take different mm-hmm. approaches with their painting, different approaches with how you build the armies, all that and kind of fit those things into them.
1: Yeah, so uh that I guess is our episode 100, 100 episodes in review.
0: Yep, yeah, notable episodes from the, the past
1: hundred. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh and uh yeah, if you uh have enjoyed any of those episodes, uh, or you have any episodes that you'd want us to talk about, uh give us a shout. Email us at contact at dice over everything. Yep, yeah, or find us on Facebook or Dice Over Everything. This has been Alan. It's been Brandon. Bye.